This is the Muscles and Management Podcast, where we build your body and your business. Talking all things training, sports performance, and business for athletes and aspiring coaches to enhance your training and better your career. Muscles and Management is brought to you by Challenger Strength with your host, Jerry DeFilippo. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 207 of the Muscles and Management Podcast. Uh, my apologies for missing last week. Um, you know, things just pop up sometimes. We're, we're generally pretty consistent, you know, in a off week every once in a while happens, but, uh, we're back this week. Mike, uh, welcome. Uh, great to have you as always. Yeah. Good to be back. So, I'm excited for this episode. Yeah, no, we, <laughs> we're going to start <laughs> off with something fun. Um, I guess just a couple announcements or even if it's a couple or whatever, I'll just kind of go with what comes to mind, but um subscribe to the newsletter if you haven't um that's been going on every week and i think it's been it's been going pretty well i think we're up to like over 2500 um coaches and athletes subscribe to it we've only been doing it for like five weeks yeah i think we hit 2600 this week actually i think awesome yeah so i mean we're we're trending up um you know and i i just we'll, we'll keep adding to it and uh i'm really taking a lot of pride in trying to be consistent and be like every week with it um and also just like really you know make it something valuable i know like i said this before but like a lot of newsletters like i'm sure you've been you know added to newsletter lists i've been added to them where like it's just it's not something that's useful Mm -hmm. so i mean i know you're biased and all but like hopefully when you read them when i send them to you you kind of just have been getting the vibe that they're like actually things that can you know we can learn from yeah 100 like everything that we've put out whether like for me like having a, a, a son that is going to be a little young to start focusing on stuff like that, but he's going to be that age soon. It's like easy for a parent to understand. It's um, got enough detail that it's worth coaches and training and like strength coaches to look at too. So I think it's a really good mix of everything. Yeah. Like last, like yesterday, what I sent you, um, which either went out last night or today, whatever it did um, was like basically me talking about, um, I'm definitely more pissed off than I am pumped up. <laughs> generally speaking, uh, <laughs> I mean, I no, it, it listen. It, I I also think you know the things that anger me are way or there. There's more to learn from. Yeah, yeah. like every few newsletters, there's going to be something I'm excited about. But like, you know, I really think that you know there's a lot of things that still go on. Whether it's things that I hear from people we train, whether it's things that I hear from coaches we work with. Um, it could be things that I see on social media that are still prevailing that I thought like really weren't, um, you know, being discussed or given attention in today's day and age. Cause they're just such dated things, but they're still talked about. But like this week, just saying like, you know, it really aggravates me that people still get fooled by the whole, like strength coach played X sport in college or professionally. So like it automatically means they're good. Like, I'll be honest with you. Like, that doesn't even automatically mean you're good at teaching the sport, never mind being a strength coach. Um, yeah. And that's honestly, and we'll touch on that a little bit today too with the TikTok video we're going to discuss. But like, it's still one of the most common things that I hear from people. Um, anytime that they want to just try to dispute what someone's doing, or if you try to go out there and say that like training or something you're seeing isn't really good, but like it's coming from a high level person that's good at a sport or from a coach um of a person that's good at a sport and it's like oh like they automatically must know what they're doing they're at that level like it just doesn't work that way and i think you know there can always be toss-ups as to whether or not um 
that there, there's validity to it. And I think that since that's the case, you have to develop a you know way of judging um, training quality or a coach's quality based on what they're actually doing versus who is doing it. Because there are times when who is doing it can mean a lot or times when who's doing it can mean very little. Like you could have a coach that only works with like 12 year olds who's really, really knowledgeable. Like just because they don't know the right people or haven't gotten in front of the right people to train a professional athlete doesn't mean they're not as good as people that work with those pro athletes, or it doesn't mean that people that work with those pro athletes are deserving of being there. Um, and I tell people all the time, like people say to me like, Oh, uh, you know, who, who like on t- you get it a lot on TikTok because like I'm still kind of new on TikTok and um like places like Twitter and Instagram I guess I have some kind of like quote unquote street uh, cred because there are uh, a lot of pro and college coaches on there that I've connected with that I know so like you know people know who I am in those spaces whereas TikTok it's like who is this guy it's a bunch of kids like if they don't see a pro sports logo next to your name like they don't really care or or not that they don't care but it's like they think that like you have to prove something to them. Yeah. And, and like, if, for example, on the video we're going to talk about is the one I posted as like a joke about the uh, Florida state uh, coach spraying a water gun into the guy's face when he was catching the ball on a punt. Um, a lot of the comments are like, who are you? Like, this is Florida state. Who do you coach? All this other stuff. And I'm like, dude, like I, I and I'm not, I hate, I don't want to be that guy that just starts listing off shit that they do. Cause it just sounds so corny. Um, I posted the one video that has been nice for me to like tag people in. Anytime someone's like, who are you? Like, who do you think you are? Whatever. I have a video I put up on TikTok like two weeks ago, which is like a combination of screenshots of messages from like um, uh, Brad Deweese, the, the director of sports performance for the Jets, um, the head of strength and conditioning for the, the Los Angeles Rams, uh, guys like Tom House, who have worked with like Randy Johnson, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. And it's all messages from them or things from them saying how much, how good my stuff is and how much they like it. As kind of a way for me to be like, yeah, like, fuck off. Like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Like, yeah, I don't have a a facility of 50 pro athletes. We work with high school and college kids mostly. But, like, that doesn't mean I haven't turned down jobs to be, like, a minor league strength coach in baseball or couldn't get – put it this way, Mike, and I'll just put this out there. Um, Coaches I know at D1 schools, sport coaches, reach out to me to help fill their positions because they know I wouldn't take their job. Right. Like I've had multiple messages asking if I could help them find a coach because they know what they have to pay me. And the thing I, what I have been able to set up as a private trend training business, I would never leave for a job like that unless it's like Ohio state football that pays a million dollars a year. Yeah. So like people need to understand that, but like, I'm, I I feel like it'll just get turned against me. If I start commenting like, Oh, I've turned stuff down. Everyone's like, Oh yeah, sure, buddy. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, it's just funny to me. Like, I don't have to be a coach at Florida State to tell you that it's kind of ridiculous to be shooting a water gun at the guy's face. (laughs) So that's the video. It was basically – it was going around on Twitter. And the funny part about it is, like, Twitter obviously has a lot of respected coaches on it. And I saw a lot of coaches that I I know, like, liking a video about someone kind of laughing about the drill. And it's like the punter's looking up, and he's looking up, and then he looks down, and the guy's shooting water straight at his face. Like – I, if you look up and it's coming at you, it's one thing. And if you want to make the argument that like it might help to like prepare to catch a ball when it's raining out, I could kind of understand that. But like, it's it just it, it's another gimmick to me. Like I'd rather I don't know. Like if you want to make the argument that for that small chance of rain, if it rains at like one or two games a year, maybe. But like, you know, true distractions come from 
you know, looking at bodies flying towards you. Like what I'm trying to say is that the number one thing that a, a guy fielding a punt is worried about is like peripheral vision and like sensing the flying bodies that are running full speed down the field towards him. So he can like kind of catch it. Like anytime you see a guy miss a ball on a punt, it's because they're too aware of the um, people around them to try to try to know like who's where, who's going where, and they're worried about it. It's not from getting hit in the face with rain. I feel like most of these guys are going to have visors on anyway. Right. Like you're going to just look up. The pellets of rain are going to hit you in the face. Like I promise you if it's raining and it, it there's rain, but then there's, you know, four guys that are six foot two, 220, just running full speed for 50 yards towards you. Like you're going to be more worried about them. Yeah. And that's what I just found so ridiculous about it. To me, it just looked like someone trying to do too much to be too specific and like, you know, everyone's got to jump in like, oh, this is a bad take. And then, of course, you had the people like I have 11 fucking thousand likes on the video. Obviously, that means 11,000 people probably agree, think it's agree with my point. And they think just because there's 25 or 30 comments disagreeing with me on the comments that like, oh, this didn't go how the guy intended it to when he posted it. Like, yeah, no, 200,000 views and 11,000 likes. Like everyone hates me and I suck, I guess. <laughs> it's just like TikTok is just so toxic sometimes and I love it because I just love entertaining people. And I yeah. just troll, I troll them now because like our, one guy one guy commented on the post saying like ah oh, uh, like who were who were you like who you don't work with anybody in the NFL you didn't play you didn't put there or you didn't play in the it, it, high level football right and it's like first of all I don't have to play high level football to know the physiology of like preparing people for like cognitive and visual stimulus and how to actually train them because that's just education. And I know the sport, like I watch the sport a lot. Like you combine those two things, like, you know, obviously the, the main athletes we work with are hockey and baseball, but I have probably like 10 athletes that are playing division one football right now that I worked with for like, for like three years during high school. So like, I, I understand it. And, um, you know, to have people make comments like that. And then like, I retort back like, Oh, like, okay. Like Nick Saban and Bill Belichick didn't play, um, NFL football, like really seems to have hurt them. And this one idiot was like, Bill played in the NFL, bro. And I was like, uh, uh, no, he didn't. Um, like, like making fun of him. And the guy responded back like, oh, like, I, I'm not insecure enough to have to go look on Google to see if he did or not. I'm like, dude, just, just take, just, un you, you're wrong. Like, you're a moron. You're wrong. Right? Yeah. And then this other guy commented. He was like, he commented on it, and I clicked on his page, and it said he did like real estate and like eyelashes or some shit. So I, I, com I, I commented back like, stick to real estate. And he was like, y'all, wrong guy, bro. I was all American in high school and played in college. And oh no, practice squad for the Atlanta Falcons. He, yeah, I looked him up. Like he existed. Is Trey Calloway or something? He played at Auburn, I think, or no, not Auburn. Um, Alabama State, maybe, or something like that. He played at Division One school, and he he made um, he was like preseason, like on a team. He didn't make the NFL, but he was like preseason or whatever. Um, and I still replied back, like, I don't care. Like, do you coach anybody? Like, I I don't you 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 played football, and you've been out of the game for four to five years, and now you do, you're a real estate guy. Like, do you coach anybody? You were really gifted and had some good coaches that worked with you. Did that mean you're a good coach? But like, judge right? Training's good He's enough? like falling personally into the thing that we talk about. Where exactly? Like, who you are know. you, dude? If you would reply back to me, coached. If, if if some guy replied back, coached you won football for twelve years. We had no muff punts, and we did whatever. Okay, fine. I got a little respect for you. Yeah. Oh, so it's just it's just funny, like. 
people thinking that I was going to think that I was taking an L on this post when like clearly a lot of people agreed with me, like 30 comments don't make me feel any, and there were comments that agreed with me too. So I don't really care. It's just like, it more so proves my point when I post stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. But like, it just, again, brings me to my point with the newsletter, it all ties together. A lot of my points were, you know, do they have a process? Okay. Uh, or actually I missed the first one. It was, um, who have they worked with and do they have actual documented results? Like, I feel like we're in a day and age where somebody might literally just be on a field at the same time that a pro athlete's doing sprints and be like, Oh, I coach them. <laughs> right. Right. So like there's that, then there's like, you work with the guy, but do you know that they actually help them? Like what's proof Did they get him to jump higher, get him to sprint faster. Like there's gotta be more than just like, Oh, there's three videos of them working together for the past year. So mm-hmm. like that means that that's their guy and that automatically makes them a good coach. No, like, did they get results with them? How long have they been working with them? Like, there's got to be, like, did their sport metrics improve? Like, oh, I worked with so-and-so baseball player. He's a hitter for five years. And over the course of that five years, you know, his vert went up, his sprint speed went up or went down. Um, his strength numbers improved, the grip and everything. And his exit velo's up, his whatever. Like, do they have actual proof that, like, anything that they did resonated or made an impact? Like, that matters to me more than, like, just a list of names. So I said that was my first reason uh, or my first thing you should be asking a new coach or how you should be judging a new coach. The second one was um, what's their process, right? So like if you were going to take your son to somebody, like wouldn't you want them to be able to like generally in five minutes explain like how they get results with people? Mm -hmm. In a general sense, everyone's going to be different. But like here's my – I could summarize it to you right now. Like – the athlete comes in, we put them through a warm-up, we test their sprint speed, their jump height, we, their grip, we weigh them. Um, while they're doing all this stuff, we're watching how they move. We're going to ask you questions about how long they've been training, how long you're going to you know, have them come in for, how many weeks you think you can get them to train, or, or, or how many days a week you think you can get them there. And that's going to allow me to put a, put a, um, thing, a program together. And, you know, a program is going to be based on um, sprint and jump training in the beginning with strength training focus. Um, afterwards, if they're younger and only coming two days a week, we're going to do probably a little bit of everything in that one session. Um, we believe in a lot of heavy resistance sprinting. Like I could describe the whole process to you, right? I could tell you how like um, we do retests every six weeks and we see what the progress or lack thereof is in the athlete. And then it changes what our program is. Like I could tell you my process, right? Yeah. You ask that question and they're like, uh, the, the training, like they got, if they don't know, then I don't think you're at the right place. You for know what sure. Yeah, for sure. And then the last thing I mentioned was, um, how do they like, what, how do they track things? Like, do they track data? And I'm not talking like super fancy, you have to have 19 pieces of technology and all this crazy graphs and stuff like that, but like simple stuff. Like, um, we have a new coach. Her name is Katie. I don't know if I've talked about it on here at all, but she's been with us for like two months. Um, she just graduated with her exercise science degree. Um, ironically enough, you know, uh, the last two coaches that I've hired have exercise science degrees and I don't have one, which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is young. She just finished up some internships, whatever. And get this. She was telling us that, um, at her other internship, they didn't like track weights. The coach was just always like, Oh, I have them in my head. <laughs> So, like, she would be working out a group and wouldn't know what their weights were. She'd have to ask the guy, and he would be like, ah, they'll go for 185. They'll do 195 this week. And it would just kind of, like, take stabs in the dark there. And, like, um, I've heard other stories where other places have the athletes all use the same weight, and they just write the lift up on the board and the whole yep. 20 or 30. I've, I've been to the, yeah, I've been to the gym where, like, 
you can you have like a young group like a, a baseball team or something and the the coach or the strength coach has a whiteboard and they're all doing the same weight same exact uh routine and you got kids that are like five foot three and you got kids who are like six foot four and they're like children and men and they're all doing the same thing yeah or like i've heard other things where it was like oh like um we're all going to do 170 like what did you this one girl that goes here talks to this other girl that goes somewhere else and she's like um what did you do on deadlift she's like oh i just do 175 because that's what everybody else does right like you know and i'm i'm sitting here being super tough on us about what we do and i could tell you what somebody lifted you know 16 months ago on a tuesday yeah and it's all it takes like that, that that you don't have to like programs aren't going to have completely different exercises for each and every athlete that comes in like you're going to have a process a lot of 12 13 14 15 and 16 year olds need a lot of the same things um but you're going to you're going to coach them and cue them differently you're going to give them a different loading like that's where individualization comes from and i've done episodes on this before in their entirety i'm pretty sure i have an episode say what is individualization of training like i'm pretty sure i've done that um so i mean you want to go back and listen to that one um it's a good episode but like i think we have this this whole thing misunderstood in that Mm -hmm. sense yeah um but yeah like those are the three things i think you should be looking to ask when you're trying to see if a coach is someone you want to work with so if you're going to take anything from me this week it's that those are my those are my pieces of advice for you perfect All right. Um, you want to get to some tweets? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's see. So there was a start with this one. It's it has the most interaction that I've seen for a while. Um, it is your. There, he's holding. Y'all, they probably name it, but he's on like um, um, a a a box holding kettlebells um pushing he has one foot on the box and he's touching the ground and then pushing himself up do you know what i'm talking about the um this is near three feet tall box with 80 pounds of weight with concentrated oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's johnny yeah johnny's doing a crazy step up yes um so that's johnny johnny's been training with he's 22 now he's a um hockey player he plays at one of the best d3 programs in america um we've been working i've been working with him he's one of my first athletes ever had back when he was like 16 um he actually johnny is very talented one of the best hockey players i've ever worked with and one of the best athletes i've ever worked with he had a full ride or at least close to a full scholarship to play hockey at quinnipiac yeah which is like one of the top 10 programs in the country every year in division one like when he was 15 years old they thought he had like legit nhl potential Okay. But he's unfortunately had a lot of concussions. Uh, So he lost his D1 opportunity from the concussions. Like, you know, obviously schools are going to be leery about, you know, someone who might get hurt and be done. So they kind of pulled his offer. mm -hmm. Uh, And he's now thriving. He was a captain. He's going to be a captain. He's only a sophomore um, at Trinity. He's at Trinity. And, you know, he could probably play it. And he could probably transfer any, a lot of division one schools if he wanted to, but he's basically got one more shot with his concussions. So, like, I think he'd rather, like, try to play out his D3 opportunity and then get a pro opportunity and then just, like, you know, do it that way. Sure. Um, but the reason I'm giving you that background is just to understand how great of an athlete he is. Um, Johnny at 194 pounds, front squatted 390, uh, no box. Um, bench press 285 or 290, bench press 290, 
uh, vert jumps 35 inches. He runs like a deer. Like he could be, a, he could be a, a track guy. Um, and just like, generally speaking, like there's nothing I've ever given him that he can't do. Like he's the kind of kid that I'm like, let me try this new exercise out. Like I'll have Johnny do it. Like that's, that's him. Um, and he's doing this step up. If you haven't seen this video that Mike's talking about guys, he's doing this step up. Um, we have one of those old, um, iron plyo boxes, like not the soft ones that a lot of people use now. It's one of those old school ones. And it's mm-hmm. like three, three feet high. And he's got, um, a 40 pound kettlebell in each hand in like the rack front rack position. And he's doing like full on step ups, no push off his off leg. Like this box is three feet high. Like his leg is below parallel. Like the crease of his, like his literally like his thigh or his hamstring is like touching his calf. That's how low he is. <laughs> um, and he drives all the way up and then does a three, two, one. And that was for sets of 12, Mike. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I like just obviously just to understand how impressive that is, but the main premise of that post was me talking about like, you know, getting your athletes better at doing things like that. And how, mm-hmm. like, to me, it's one of the most valuable exercises in terms of um, starting strength on one leg. Cause like you're at such a mechanical disadvantage at the bottom of that position to have to drive up out of it. And then there's like the stability component of doing the slow eccentric on the way down. And I think so many times we get caught up in thinking like, you know, balance is uh, wobbling on a BOSU ball or doing this or whatever, when it's like, you know, can I just get good at using my one leg on a stable surface and like learning how to stabilize with single leg variations, like how the far that's going to go. Um, and I think for young athletes, especially like it's going to go a long way in their ability to, de- to decelerate both safely and effectively. Um, so that was my main takeaway from that was just like, this is something that I think would be really good to be good at. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I don't know. Do you think there there was, I think that was universally pretty well received. There was a lot of good. Yeah, it was, it was not often. Someone doesn't have something to say. (laughs) Uh, let's see. Do you want to talk about this? Uh, the thread that you made? Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. So I'll read the first one and you can take it where you want to. So six years ago, I was about to graduate top 10% of my class in a top 50 business school. I decided to give it all away to start a strength and conditioning business. Give it all you know, away was in quotes, by the way. What's that? Give it all away was in quotes. Yes, yes. It was something we that now have multiple coaches, train yeah. hundred, I train hundreds of athletes and are only getting started. Here's seven things I've learned. And then it's a thread of seven things. Seven things. Uh, yeah. yeah, you can you can kind of take it where you want to go with it. Yeah. So I, you know, we're coming up on um, you know, we're coming up on six years or we just hit six years. Um, and you know, I really wanted to just talk about, you know, some of the things that I think have helped me. Um, you know, I think it's important for people to understand sometimes that like, just because you are in a certain place, like, you know, Oh, I had a top 10 uh, percent of my class at the top 50 business school. Like I could have gotten a really good job. And, you know, obviously I didn't want to do that, but like I was in that position to do it. And, um, you know, some people might look at it as like, why are you going to throw away that opportunity to go do something that like might not take off? So, you know, just one kind of reassuring people that, Hey, if you're in this position, like you can do it too. Um, but I always say like, I, I think it's very important to, to really, um, you know, make people aware of this is like, you know, don't look at this as like, Oh, it's easy and everyone can go do it. Like, Oh, I don't want to work behind a desk either. I'm just going to go, you know, um, have a fun life. Cause this guy said, so like, no, it's going to suck. There's gonna be a lot of work that goes into it. Like, you know, there's a chance it might not work for you just cause it worked for me. Doesn't mean it might work for you. 
Um, and it's going to be a lot of hours and a lot of stuff to go into it, to get it built up and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And honestly, like, that's something I think I could even forget sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I could sometimes fall in the trap of making myself feel guilty that I don't work as many hours or as strenuously as I once did. But that's because like the whole thing was built up. Like I, I paid my dues for those few years. So like, you know, working 70 plus days in a row year one, because it was just me. And I literally was like afraid to turn down business because I wanted to train every single person I could. Mm -hmm. Like that was, you know, something that I went through and it's just a, it's a reminder sometimes that like, it it does suck in the beginning. Like I, I, if I forget that, um, I, I think it's important to not forget that to like, not forget what went into getting to this point. Um, you know, I think that's, and I think that's important and it's, it's important for me to reflect on. It's important for a lot of people just to, to read and to learn from. Um, and a lot of the things I touched on, like, I don't know if I even, if I'll even remember all seven things, but, um, I know one of them was, um, you know, listening to people's criticism, if you would heed their advice. So it's like, um, yeah, I can, if, do you want me to find that one specifically? No, uh, I, I know I got enough to talk about it, but like, if you are going to go to that person to ask them, what should I do? Or how should I do this? Or like if their commentary to you means something and it's something that you would take action on about what they're based on their opinion or their advice, like then that's fine. Take their criticism. But like, if there are people on the outside kind of looking in um, that like you don't really ever talk to and they are quick to shoot off at the mouth, like screw it. doesn't matter. Um, And I also feel like this, it's important too. like, you have to understand when you first start out, like, a lot of people that are pulling for you aren't going to pull for you as you get better and you improve because at first it's like, Oh, cool. Underdog story. Like, you know, this guy's going for it. And, you know, once you continue to get more successful, it's almost like, shit, I didn't know he was going to do that well. Right. And it's almost yeah. like they become upset about it. Cause maybe they're a little bit insecure that like they didn't go for it or do whatever. And, you know, granted there are people that to this day that I, that people that I knew in 2016 that like, saw me starting out that are still just as supportive of me now as they were back then. And they honestly take a lot of pride in like having known me back then and saying like, I remember you when you just started out. Like there are a lot of good people like that. But I know for a fact that there are people that were supportive of me back in 2016, 2017. And then like, as the years have gone by, it's like, Oh, this actually got pretty big. Like this is going pretty well. Like, you know, then they start to see like, they start to pin your success on you as if you're an arrogant person because you've had success. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a big thing. Like you got to be prepared for that. Um, you got to be prepared for the people that are going to be like, what are you doing? You're nuts. Like, you know, the girl I went on a date with, I was like, Oh, what are you going to do when like it's time to get a real job? Like shit like that. Yeah. And you know, it, it's fine. Like it, if you could let it motivate you, you know, don't let it consume you. But if it keeps you in the back of your head as a little chip on your shoulder, it's not the worst thing. Um, but you know, it's definitely important to keep stuff like that um in in perspective and understand where it's coming from and if like that's a person that you know you would listen to them and take their advice or criticism and um be actionable about it then you could listen to their criticism but if it's not then you know got to try to block it out um i talked about attention to detail i mentioned this before about tracking weights um you know stuff like that but like i really do think a big part of why we've grown the way we have or why i grew when it was just me in the beginning was because of like how much care and how much attention i put into every single thing Mm-hmm. And you start to take it for granted because you do it all the time, but people don't. Um, and you hear places about how other places are, people that come from other places and what it's like. And you start to understand why, um, you know, it's so valued and why you've grown so much because people talk about that in a positive light. Yeah. 
Um, I talked about consistency. I've seen way too many people that have, you know, tried to start up their own things in the time span that I have that, you know, push it hard for three, four weeks and, you know, think that because they didn't blow up to a major following on social media or get a lot of business out of it. They just get discouraged and stop. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I talked about, like, I literally posted videos of just me working out for six months. Literally six months. Like after a couple months went by, I sprinkled in a couple um, posts of like the one or two clients I had. But for six months, it was just videos of me exercising, explaining things, writing articles. I wrote like 50 articles, like two articles a week. Um, Turn out content, turn out content. Like let people establish the idea that this is who you are now and this is what you do. Mm -hmm. And you got to understand that when you create that identity, you got to keep pushing and pushing and pushing um, forward and just continue to go and um, you know, understand that when you keep spinning your wheels and spinning your wheels, you will get traction and you'll shoot out of the hole like a slingshot. Right. Um, and then I think we'll, we'll touch on one more of the things. And if you want to go look at this whole thread, you can go on my Twitter. But one of the other ones I said was, you know, you are going to lose and there's going to be times where things don't go your way. But if I've had bad experiences that or things that didn't ultimately end up in my favor that, you know, led me to people that I still work with to this day that have, you know, proven to be um, great people to work with and have helped me grow my business. And, um, you know, even in the times when things don't go well, like negotiations or things like you get experience, like you learn how people operate and how things work and you get educated on legal stuff and and money and all that kind of stuff. Like it it all compiles or like the time you train somebody and it didn't have a, a, didn't go well. You now know you learned a lesson from that or the large team you worked with that it sucked and they hated it and it didn't work out. Okay. Well then what did large teams like? And what can I learn from that? Like it all kind of adds up into being able to learn. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's, that's super important to understand that. And like I said, if you want to get to the other ones, you could check the thread, but it, those are the ones that stick out in my mind as being really important. Um, I want to make sure we get to like at least two questions. Did you want to move to two questions real quick? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so let's go with this first one from Heath. Uh, any simple workouts to get kids going? He has a 13-year-old girl and 11-year-old boy. Yeah, great question. One of the most common questions I get. Um, I think, honestly, too, and this is another good point you could make from this, is like my one of my favorite quotes is, there's more loss from indecision than wrong decision. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people get caught up in like, I don't know exactly what to do. Like, oh, like I wish I was that guy. Like, I wish I was like Jerry. Like, he does, he coaches consistently and he knows like how to start a program. And yeah, like there's a comfort to that, like being experienced now and just like not doing a lot of second guessing and like turning around and wondering this, wondering that, all that other stuff. Um, you know, I think there's something to be said for uh, you know, having experience and knowing what your process is and going right away. And a lot of people get caught up in like you know, um, handcuffing themselves because, you know, they don't know exactly what they want to do and they're, they're fearing they're going to miss doing things. Like, I got to feel like I got to put 30 different things in my program because I don't know exactly what is needed. So I think like, just get started and like, you'll start to weed things out and figure out like what, you know, what works the best and what doesn't and what's needed and what really isn't and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I would say like, when you're dealing with 11, 12, 13 year olds who have never trained before, first and foremost, like, and I, I reiterate this all the time, you know, make sure they're moving at full speed, sprinting at full speed, jumping at full speeds. Like all that stuff is super important when it comes to just developing their ability to move at a really fast level, because it's easier to kind of get that um, done at that younger age. than it is when they're 15 years old. 
Um, so get them moving fast, get them sprinting and jumping at max speeds two to three times a week. Um, you know, get them in open space, have them explore and move around in a lot of different areas and shapes, like, you know, coordination and, and rhythm and all that type of stuff. Like, you know, really is going to come from, you know, non-rehearsed and memorized movement patterns and, and things like that. So, um, partner mirroring games for agility, um, deceleration stuff. That's either just based on like audible, like saying stop or go or, or dropping an object, like things that make them react and have to make movements in open space is a really big one. Um, and then I generally like to say, like, if you pair stuff like that with, you know, one to five rep, uh, eccentric focus strength training and like all main movement patterns, like a push up, a goblet squat, a hip hinge. Like if you hammer all that stuff and do it as like a kind of a universal package two to three days a week, you're going to notice gigantic gains for athletes in the first year or two that they train at that age. So, um, you know, that's my advice on that. And remember, just like, don't be afraid to just get started. You know, experience will be a big teacher for you as well. So don't just sit there, um, you know, not starting or getting going because you're afraid you're going to screw something up. Nice. Um, okay, let's do coach. I run a strength and conditioning program in at a high school in Seattle during the fall winter. It is dark and wet early. Teams use the field in the afternoon and gym spaces are hard to come by as well. What would you recommend for sprinting? Yeah. So I think it's a good question. I think it's a lot of an issue that people like in the Northeast or, or just people that are, have cold winter climates can, can run into as well. Um, if you do have a little space indoors to do like 10 or 15 yard sprints, that's great. Remember, if you don't have that ability, there are a lot of things that can be your friend with limited space. Um, you know, getting on a wall and doing things like switches to work on mechanics of like driving the foot back underneath the hip um, and working on body angle and posture are really good. Using a wall for, you know, getting in a split stance, you know, let's say right leg forward, left leg back, kind of like pushing onto your front side as hard as you possibly can for six to 10 seconds as like an overcoming isometric for sprinting is a really good one. Um, you know, you could even just have athletes like we do one where we put our sled chain harness, uh, around the squat rack and around the athlete's waist and they do a max effort push in the sprinter ISO position. So that works on a lot of that, like maximum push onto the front side. Um, if you have minimal space, you know, even doing a three or four yard sprint, working on the first couple push offs is a good one. Um, having athletes do things like single leg broad jumps can be a really good one. Um, when it comes to top speed. Uh, if you can do any type of flying sprint, so if you have a smaller type of space and you want to just kind of hammer a small five to 10 yard zone for top speed, add the attitude to a little bit of a buildup into that top speed zone can be really good. Um, you know, different types of plyometrics that emphasize drop offs into stiff ground contacts, pogo jump series that I've talked about and posted, um, you know, things that work on the calf, ankle and foot relationship with the ground in terms of almost making the leg like a spring can be a really good way to work on those top speed contacts. Um, you know, like I said, even if you have a small area, you could still do some sprint based work, even if it's a couple strides to kind of feel push. Uh, and then last but not least, if you have younger athletes, especially um, heavy sled pushes, drags or like unilateral or even bilateral work that gets them stronger is going to go a long way in terms of the force they can input into their sprints when it comes to accelerating. So don't be afraid to do stuff like that because you are going to get them a little faster, even just by improving the strength they have in their legs when they have a low training age and they haven't really done anything yet. So mm -hmm. that's another big one as well. And I think if you could stick to a lot of that stuff um, throughout the the winter time, it would really, you know, do a, uh, a lot for them, uh, even with limited space. So. Perfect. Uh, I do one more or you want to call it? No, I think we're good. Um, I, you know, it's good to have those for, for later weeks too. For yeah, for sure.
Um, anything you think we didn't touch on or need to get to, or you think we're good? No, I think we're good. I think it was a good episode. All right, guys. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was fun. Um, like I said, DM me, retweet it, repost it on Instagram. Let me know feedback. Let us know what you think, what you liked, what you didn't like, or things that stuck out to you. And as always, we're going to just keep trying to be here every week and, and educating and you know helping you guys out along with the newsletter. So, like I said, you know, subscribe to that if you haven't already. Um, you know, let us know what you think. Give us feedback and, and share it. Sharing it's huge and it gives it does a lot for us. So, uh, thank you guys for listening as always, and we will talk to you next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of Muscles and Management, brought to you by Challenger Strength. I'm your host, Jerry Filippo, signing off from the show that's changing how we view sports performance, training, and business.